WDBM East Lansing. Welcome to The Sci-Files, an Impact 89 FM series focusing on student research here at Michigan State University. We're your co-hosts Chelsea Boudou and Daniel Puentes. We've mentioned in the past how we really like science art. We've even told you all how we have public art pieces for the city of East Lansing since July 2020, and it's still there today. Today we're talking to Justin Weigard about his research on how comics influence how we visualize healthcare. Thanks so much for joining us today, Justin. May you please tell us more about your research and yourself? Hey, happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. So my research in this instance looks at how we try to think visually and how we can use use visualization and drawing comics specifically as a way of understanding how we can think and try to actually visualize and concretize a lot of these high concept or abstract ideas, as well as just convey stories and engage in acts of visual storytelling, essentially. Nice to see you again, Justin. When it comes to the work that you're doing, what other forms of visual media are you also investigating? And are there a particular set of topics that you're only looking at? And are there a specific set of topics that you're working with to explain through these different visual media products? In this specific instance, what we're really looking at, and I say we, me and my collaborator, Dr. Megan Halpern in the Lyman Briggs College, are really trying to understand how acts of drawing comics and acts of visual creation operate in the classroom. So focusing a little more closely on my classroom, I'm teaching a course called Studies in Graphic Narratives. And in this course, it's sort of chunked up into a few different contents and kinds of content and topics. So we're looking at children's and young adult comics and graphic novels, which are some of the most popular forms of comics and visual storytelling out there, particularly in North America. And we're also looking at digital visualizations. So sort of inverting that and thinking about how we can think of comics and create different kinds of graphic narratives by treating comics as points of data and creating different sorts of visualizations, things like timelines, like interactive timelines or network maps. And then finally, and probably most germane to the show, we're looking at graphic medicine, which is the intersection of comics and visual storytelling primarily comics, to disseminate narratives of healthcare and patient narratives and medical concepts and all kinds of aspects of healthcare discourse and disseminated through comics. Wow, Megan Halpern was one of the first people that I spoke to when I was starting MSU SciComm. I went to her actually for advice on science art. It's cool that you're also teaching a course about this. What does an average day look like in this class? How do you teach people to think about art in a certain way or to analyze it? That's a really wonderful question and one that my students actually asked me pretty early on. So one of the first things that we do in this course is sort of wipe away that fear and anxiety about drawing because most of us are more or less born with the ability to draw and to visually create. We just tend to lose that capacity and that propensity for drawing along the way, right? Like when we're kids, we do finger painting or we draw with colored pencils and crayons. And along the way, unless we do art full time, it just sort of falls out of the wayside. 
So a typical day in my classroom, either start off with a discussion about the comics, and I'm happy to talk about that. But more often, we start off with a short three to five minute drawing. And the prompts are generally very loose and very lighthearted. Things like draw yourself as a monster or draw yourself turning into a fruit or something like that. Something mildly related to the content at hand or one of the primary comics we're reading. I put on some music and students simply just draw and get into that visual mindset for the day. Then once they're done, I have a few students come up, share their work. We talk about the visual rhetoric and the visual elements that are present in the comic, or they're just one panel little comics drawn on a three by five note card. We could actually do one here on the show or listeners can at home if they really want to try and draw themselves in space for about three minutes or so. Then we typically get into discussion of some visual elements in comics or in the graphic narratives we're studying. Then we sort of zero in on the comics under consideration, depending on whatever week we are in, and students tend to lead the discussion from there. So in essence, we are drawing and then thinking about drawing and then trying to visualize our drawing along the way. So students will also draw out their notes using sketch notes or making visual concept maps or trying different kinds of exercises depending on the week's content and approach. I mean, that sounds like a really wonderful class to be a part of. I feel like different courses that are in STEM could also benefit from some sort of introductory session like that in the beginning of every class, where you can just have a discussion where you're talking about something related to the discussion for today. Let's talk a little bit more about the research that you're doing. How does the teaching that you're performing inform the research that you're doing? Sure. So currently, I am a scholarship of undergraduate teaching and learning fellow through the Lyman Briggs College. And when I had applied, I had actually applied to try and work with Dr. Halpern because I knew that she worked at this intersection of art and science. And when we got paired up with one another, we started talking about how we can try and learn from our students who are all all of our students who are all incredible thinkers and critical makers, essentially. And so within the classroom, what we're really trying to study is how students think and how we can develop best practices to blend aspects of critical making, which is the combination of critical thinking and material making to create something with a significant and purposeful intention, right? And to do so creatively, And in the context of our ongoing project, we're trying to look at how we can foster that in students and how students can deploy those acts of critical making to think through and visualize their understanding of scientific concepts. So in my course specifically, that's graphic medicine, as I talked about before. And we relied on comics partially for their really universal nature, right? When we look at comics, and I use comics very broadly here, whether it's a one panel comic or something that's got 30 panels or no panels at all, we get a lot of information sent to us from both the visuals and the text and the combination therein. So it does something differently than having students create a traditional essay and report, which we know that students can do. Having students try to distill their work down into a visual format is really significant. And by analyzing and understanding how they create those things, we get a lot of primary data that we can then analyze over the summer. I really resonate with the thought of critical making because with science art, you have to understand the science behind the art. 
So you have to do all that critical thinking and then apply it into making that art piece. Whenever you work with all these different students, everyone is different. If you prompt your classroom to draw something a certain way, no one is going to draw it exactly the same way. How do you benchmark abstract ideas and how do you understand the way that everyone thinks when no one is the same? That's a fabulous question. I talked about that with my students earlier today, actually. It's also kind of core to the humanities, right? How do you benchmark an understanding of art and the and aesthetic values, right? I have a couple of ways of doing that. And one of those, well, I guess a few pedagogical ways are just simply informal and then formal teaching exercises. So things like that five-minute comic, or I also have my students create weekly one-page comics that have brief prompts. Things like trying to create a one-page comic that illustrates a key concept or definition from our class or a one-page comic that is a critical review or engagement with one of our comics. So introducing it and trying to highlight one salient visual or textual or narrative element and then illustrating that in a comic. Those are accompanied by one-page reflections where students try to, or where students articulate their creation and their rationale for it in written form. And to go to your other point about how to reach all of these different kinds of learners and perspectives, that's also very centered to the core ethos of the class. I tend to use this book by a scholar named Nick Susanis called Unflattening, which is actually the first graphic dissertation. It's a dissertation that was created all in comics form. It's published by Harvard University Press. And that term, unflattening, is Nick Susanis' way of trying to call for a simultaneous engagement of multiple vantage points from which to engender new ways of seeing, which is a mouthful. But essentially, it's a way to try to stop thinking in one perspective or one dimension, or in our case, try to stop thinking in one discipline and try to start seeing these texts and these conversations from several different disciplines. Well, we all have tons to learn from each other, and by trying to see and understand and discuss these texts or these conversations around graphic narratives and having so many different vantage points, including students in arts and comics minors alongside of social science students and education students alongside of some of my STEM students, we all learn more and kind of collaboratively work through these materials. So in essence, we benchmark by trying to see how students grow from week to week to week in weekly comics exercises, as well as their semester-long understanding of the core concepts on flattening and critical making. One of the topics that you had mentioned in the interview is how you're looking at how students can draw comics that talk about medical ideas and their role in society. Can you give some insight on what these comics are displaying? For example, do they focus on a geographical area or a specific set of medical issues that are important to the class? So graphic medicine is a subset of comics, right? And it can encompass everything from the infographics that we see around MSU's campus right now and that we especially saw at the beginning of the pandemic that teach us how to wash our hands effectively as well as how to stop the spread of COVID, right? graphic narratives that are conveying healthcare and medical information in tons and tons of different info infographics. But we also are reading through personal memoirs that are really intimate experiences with different kinds of illness and health. So a really great example is Marbles by Ellen Forney, which is a graphic memoir, a personal accounting of her life, 
as well as her struggle with mental health and mental wellness and her narrative in trying to get help and come to terms with that mental illness. Alongside of that, we are reading through different kinds of medical comics created in relation to and in response to COVID. So another one of our comics is called COVID Chronicles. It's an anthology of like 64 or so comics created by health practitioners and patients and parents and all kinds of people. And it's just simply their experiences in the first six months of the pandemic. And they were recorded between March 2020 and September 2020. And so what we're really looking for are through lines of how comics can transmit and convey different kinds of medical and healthcare narratives. Now, with this compilation for these different comics, are you gathering them from a specific source? How are you specifically analyzing these comics, too, with the class? There's a lot of really great comics out there, and one of the things I try to do in my class is find open access comics or open access resources in general. So a really great resource is actually the Graphic Medicine Manifesto and GraphicMedicine.com. Both of those are created by folks who are working in this intersection constantly. And that includes, uh, as I said before, right, the the whole gamut of science folks, STEM folks, and comics creators. On Graphic Medicine's website, for example, they've collected a large chunk, they've collected a large repository of comics ranging from very short infographics distilling different aspects of healthcare and medical narratives as well as links and reviews of different graphic medicine texts. So there's a lot of different kinds. You can find graphic medicine texts and comics at many, many different kinds of publishers. So some of those can be found in publishers that primarily work with children's comics. So something like El Defo by C.C. Bell is a children's comic that talks about and and centers a superhero named Defo who is deaf. And we have this graphic medicine narrative presented for children. Or we have Fights by Joel Christian Gill, which presents graphic medicine by working through the intersections of race and social inequalities and abuse, also told through a children's narrative, but it's much more young adult oriented. Or we have things like The Bad Doctor by Ian Williams, which is a graphic novel published by Penn State University Press, I believe, And it's a fictional graphic novel that talks about a fictional doctor working in healthcare. So you can really find graphic medicine everywhere. And you can also create graphic medicine to disseminate all kinds of STEM ideas and STEM narratives. And lastly, go check out your local librarian. Chances are they will be able to give you some really great resources. And if not, they can connect you with the kinds of resources. Like for me, for example... I learned a lot from our librarians here at MSU, but I also learned from Matthew No, who is a graphic medicine specialist who works in libraries. So uh, always check in with librarians. 100% agree with that. Definitely always use your public library. It's a free resource that's available to everybody in the neighborhood. When it comes to the data that you're collecting for your research, how is it being collected, for example? Are you looking at what the students are making in their comics? Or are you surveying them and trying to collect information about how they're feeling when it comes to the work that they're doing? Yes. (laughs) All of the above. So Dr. Halpern and I got IRB approval to conduct this research study, drawing comics as a way of knowing about science and society. 
So we're collecting data in each of our different classes. And what that data looks like is that data comes in several forms. So as you mentioned, Danny, it comes in the form of the comics that students create, both as quick informal check-ins, as well as their weekly more formal comics. So when I look at those, I'm looking for content, I'm looking for the form, and I'm also looking at their reflections so I can understand the how and the why they created what they did. Both of those combined give me a lot of insight into what students are making, what they're thinking while they're making, how they're visualizing their thinking, and why this way, why this form, why this approach. We're also collecting some of the recordings as well, and that's primarily just to remind me of what we talked about throughout the day, as well as to remind me of some of the spontaneous conversations that naturally emerge out of any sort of conversation and discussion-based seminar. So in essence, we're looking at the comics, we're looking at the written reflections, and we are listening back to the recordings specifically for our own reminders, essentially. It's wonderful that you have such a diverse data set and that you're also able to listen to these recordings later. Something that I forgot to ask you, though, earlier about the medical comics was that does it sometimes get political whenever you're talking about all these stuff? Because people may grow up from different areas and they might not have the same and they might have had the same resources growing up, too. So how do you balance science and society in your class? I actually frame those conversations up front and early on. Every single week when we are reading through the comics, we are having conversations about all of these aspects that are very central to society, to the humanities, and to our own humanity. So we talk about representation and we talk about diversity. We look at how equity and inclusivity are visually and textually represented as well as the conversations that are not represented in some of these narratives. So taking one example, Fights by Joel Christian Gill. It is a difficult comic to read. It's heartbreaking, if I'm being perfectly honest, because it looks at one boy's it looks at one boy's life growing up in a difficult space without many of Fights follows one boy, Joel Christian Gill's life, as he's growing up in poverty. He is a young black boy growing up in the South who does not have a lot of familial stability and who does not have access to many of the same resources that so many other folks do. And we look at how these comics and all of the ones that we're looking at visualize these aspects of the human condition. So in reality, taking to return to your question, whenever we look at these comics, we're also talking about the fact that science is rarely, if ever, apolitical. There are always these conversations going on, whether in the classroom or whether in research or in conferences or taking a look at any sort of news outlet, right? Part of what we're trying to do in this course is learn how we can grapple with these conversations, how we can understand our own positions therein, and how we can creatively and critically make something that has a significant message to engage in those kinds of conversations, whether it is whatever they may be. It's important that their work is addressing societal issues within the community and that they're able to use science in an artistic fashion to communicate those issues. As we're wrapping up this interview, do you have any tips or tricks that you would like to share with our audience on how to go about getting started in critical making? My advice 
to anyone who's listening to this and potentially thinks that they can't make something as visually compelling as a full-fledged graphic novel, I want you to take a step back and realize that everyone can make this. Comics are an incredible medium, and they are very, very welcoming to all of us. And part of that reason is because all we need to make comics or graphic storytelling or really any act of critical creation is just a need to do so and something you want to say or do or make creatively. One of the things that I tell my students is that in this class, we have what I call the Graphic Narratives Covenant, a set of short classroom principles that I often remind my students of. And in my course, for example, I tell my students the very first few things we need to do are to be brave, to be kind, to read comics, and to make comics. If you're brave and you just try to make something, nobody else has made that thing before. That's what's so impressive, right? Anything that we make, nobody else has actually done. Nobody else can replicate that thing. That's very powerful and it's a very important and innovative skill that we all have whether it's drawing or any kind of creative endeavor. And I say that as somebody who cannot sing or play music or even keep time worth a lick at all, but I can draw just a tiny bit and I can also collaborate with people who can draw much better than me. One of the other things I tell my students is that we have a community and we have to respect each other's creativity in all of the skills and experiences that we have and to give each other space to tell our stories. And by that, I mean, I know that I can draw some things well. I like to draw dinosaurs, okay? But I also know that I can find folks who can draw a little bit better than me or who have different ideas than me. And together, we can engage in different kinds of acts of critical making. And we can make something better than what I can only make on my own in my one little lane. So in short, be brave, be kind, read, read comics, and make comics. That's my advice. Thanks, Justin. I couldn't have put it better myself. To everyone out there, continue to be brave and inspire others. And thanks again, Justin, for talking to us today. I really enjoyed hearing about your research. Thanks for having me. Have a good one. Thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. To hear more about us and learn more about our episodes, check out scifiles.org. If you're a current MSU student that would like to be interviewed, please reach out to us at scifiles at impact89fm.org. We'll catch you next week on the Sci-Files. And remember, the truth is in the science. 